Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everyone, to our next episode of Feeding and Leading. I am Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner for Oklahoma Baptists, and today, sitting across the table from me, as always, is Dr. Todd Fisher. And by the way, it is his birthday today. Oh, uh, you were going to say that? Yeah. I was going to say, don't tell people. No, I did As so. we record this today is yeah. my birthday. I'll only say it on this one. So, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. I, Happy I birthday, know. man. I'm probably a little old looking for a 39-year-old guy. Not but, bad, you though. Know, I am 39 today. Yeah. So, And if you believe that, then. <laughs> wow. You're gullible. Well, today, Todd, I think uh, instead of talking about age, why don't we do this? Let's, um, let's discuss what the role of prayer is yep. in preaching for the preacher. Um, we, we discuss a lot uh, on this podcast about different skills or approaches, um, you know, things to think about when it comes to preparing sermons, preaching sermons, the content delivery. How does prayer and the prayer life of the preacher affect and uh, contribute to the effectiveness of our preaching? Mm-hmm. I think that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, I think that's obviously a very important aspect of preaching, and it's one that we don't talk enough about, and it's one that it gets, it gets left out. Um, or if it's included, it's kind of given a little bit of a tertiary head nod, you know, when you're reading a text on preaching. Right. Uh, it'll be a, uh, oh yeah, and don't forget to pray, but prayer is obviously an incredibly par- important part of the preparation to preach. Uh, we're praying about our sermon uh, preparation, you know, hey God, uh, help me with understanding this text, help me with knowing how to apply this text. And uh, we and we, we need to be careful here um, about, I just had this conversation with someone <laughs> recently, some confusion about inspiration. Mm. You know, oh, the pastor prays so that he can get inspiration. Well, technically, you know, we're going to use that kind of vocabulary. You know, God inspired the biblical writers uh, we do, we do not believe that biblical inspiration is that the reader is inspired. Uh, that is a too much of a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. But the word the word is inspired. The biblical author was inspired. So, kind of, if you want to use a different word, um, enlighten maybe is a better word mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, it's good. But we are praying for God to open up this text to us. We're praying, God, as I prepare, um, you know, first of all. Do whatever you got to do in my own life. Um, we, we as preachers need to confess our sin. Mm-hmm. We need to do all of that, and we need to come to a text uh, not just armed with the good tools of hermeneutics and resources, but we need to come to a text um, prayerful, ready. And uh, I think of that front page of every uh, Kent Hughes commentary, yeah, where he uses Aristotle's logos, pathos, ethos, mm-hmm. and um, there's how he does that in one page is really so great. But 
every preacher's got to have the logos pathos pathos ethos logos of course is the message you're preaching mm-hmm. you know the pathos is the passion in which you're, but the ethos is really what you and I are talking about today correct the ethos is and this is what aristotle argued if if the communicator is not a person of integrity and respect, mm-hmm. you know, right? No one's going to listen to what you got to say, right? And and so prayer is the thing that fits that ethos idea. We've got to be, as pastors, we've got to be men of God who we've confessed our sin. We have not let our relationship with Christ grow dry, um, and so it, it, it prayer prepares who I am as a person, as a preacher. Prayer is going to help me prepare for this text, you know. God, prayer is going to help me. Uh, how do I apply this mm-hmm. to my congregation? Mm-hmm. So we we are very foolish if we think we can go to a biblical text and think, well, I've gone to seminary so much, I I know Greek, I'm smart enough, I've read all these commentaries, I'm prepared to preach the sermon. That's very short sighted. Mm-hmm. So we've got to avoid that error. Yeah. Um, so prayer, when it comes to preaching, th- this is not just a, a, a another devotional aspect of our life that mm-hmm. we need to include in. That's not what I'm saying. And it's it's not simply a pragmatic thing either. We have scriptural text and mandate to these things. We see yep. it in Acts chapter six. Yes. And so I hate to I hate to do this, you know, on, on this kind of podcast, but I think we just read the scripture right here. It says, you know, after the the argument, the mm-hmm. conflict that's mm-hmm. going on, boy, that ought to tell us something too. Because yep. we all have conflict in the church, you know, uh, at some point. Uh, in in Acts six verse two it says, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word um, of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And here it is. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Todd, there's a, mm. there's a, a litany of things that a pastor needs to focus on and concentrate upon, this pretty well lays out for us Yeah, that, how these two are connected. Yeah, and I think we miss that a lot in that Acts 6 passage, um, that the deacons were elected to do, if you, you know, I don't want to use the word mundane, but mm-hmm. the, the more kind of practical mm-hmm. parts of, of ministry so that the the elders could do, you know, I think we tend to say, so the elders could do all the preaching. Yeah, the spiritual stuff. But that text yeah. says right there, and even puts it in that order, to the ministry of prayer, to yeah. prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Yeah. And I think it's important that you bring Acts 6 up, because what is, what is, what is Luke doing right there as he records that in Acts? He's telling us of that, that uh, vital connection of yeah. prayer and... The assumption—it's not an assumption. The the statement there is—and and when we're looking at Acts, we're always thinking about what is descriptive and what is prescriptive. I think I would take that as a prescriptive, prescriptive text yeah, for sure. That uh, you you are foolish to think that you could launch into the ministry of the word without also prayer. Yeah. Um, you know, another one that uh, I think we were talking about was 
let's just take one second and just kind of go through some examples, like um, Acts 16 when Paul meets Lydia. Yep. Right. On the Sabbath, they've gone outside of the city gate. Yeah, they go down they, to the riverside. Where they thought there would be a place of prayer, prayer. Yeah. Luke says. Yeah. And, you know, here's Paul, who is the great preacher, right? Mm-hmm. But also, here is a man who in his life has committed himself to being a man of prayer. Um, you know, Moses is another example. Moses is obviously this great preacher, in, in the in the Old Testament, always preaching, but also always praying mm-hmm. and always pleading for Israel. Uh, Jesus, obviously, a yeah. great preacher, but you know what is what is what are we told about Jesus on multiple occasions? Before the sun came up, he went away, got away, got alone in an isolated place, and he just prayed. And then frequently he would go back into the village side or the village in, or the city, and then he would be proclaiming. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just like with Paul, uh, with Lydia, he'd gone to the place where there'd be a prayer meeting first, and then it says that Lydia's heart was impacted powerfully mm-hmm. by the gospel. Yeah, We all understand that preaching, or, or at least we'll say, yeah. that preaching is to be a supernatural event. That's right. That's right. That's the importance of prayer, though. Yeah, and I think it's a very accurate statement to say that in the Bible, the great preachers in the Bible were also great prayers. Oh, man, that's great. And and, and here's what—I know you hear this from our pastors. I I hear this a lot, is I want to be a better preacher. And so many times—and being a better preacher, yes, a a part of that is working at the craft. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's— Hey, I'm going to go read these things. I'm going to practice preaching. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to evaluate myself. But I think too many times we just forget to say that if you want to be a better preacher, that's also, I think, going to include this aspect of prayer in our lives. It's Mm -hmm. not just the mechanics and the studying and your abilities that's going to make you a better preacher. Yeah. Uh, I think a better preacher is a man who is very close to the Lord and growing in that closeness through his prayer life. So well let's let's talk about let's talk about this about because obviously what we're what we're proposing here is that the, as preachers we should pray more. Mm-hmm. What, what are some in your own experience uh, as as a pastor for so long what were some of the the threats to your prayer yeah. life to some yeah. of the things that pulled you away from giving it the emphasis I, and, and the reason why I ask you this, I was recently asked, if you could go back and start this all over again, what would you do different? And mm-hmm. I named a few things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but one of the things that I said is, I wish I would have prayed more. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd answer that question in kind of two ways. One, I think about just my general prayer life and mm-hmm. having a quiet time. And yeah. I, those are the usual suspects that are the hindrances to those. I'm busy. Yeah. I don't feel like it. And I think one of the things that's always interesting is um, there's a discipline behind this. And I think you can see that in Jesus. You know, I think he disciplined himself to get up before the others got up, before the sun came out, and he disciplined himself to walk to a place to know where a place would be, where he put, there's a lot of discipline behind it. Yeah. And I think 
I think much of that is getting yourself disciplined to do it. And if you, there's only a lot of times you don't feel like praying. And, you know, I was telling a group of pastors just the other day, <laughs> there's been a lot of quiet times I had in my life where I, I'm just going to be honest, I kind of forced myself to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have sure. to, I want to stay in bed. I really want to work on this because I'm behind on the deadline. And I went ahead and said, nope, I'm going to force myself to just to read this text and to pray and to just spend time with God. And you know what? I've never, ever regretted doing that ever one time, but I have regretted many times not having a quiet time. Now, that's the first thing in general. The second thing is I want to answer that question in the discipline of preaching and preparing to preach. So here's what happens to me sometimes is, um, uh, man, I'll uh, time – is a thing. Okay, hey, I had a funeral this week, so my sermon prep time has been reduced. So I, I just need to jump into it. I'm just going to crack the book open. That can happen. Sometimes you can be so excited about it. To, hey, I'm ready to preach this text. I'm ready to read. I want to. I want to leave extra time for more reading on this passage because it's a difficult passage. And um, I think sometimes those can be the deals that hinder us in sermon prep. Uh, to to shortcut praying, you know. We just, but again, it's 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 that discipline of okay. You know what? Before I read the commentary, before I do take any note, I'm going to read this passage several times through, and I'm just going to pray through this thing, and I'm just going to spend time over it, and just you know uh, immerse myself in it with the Lord before I ever open a book. And you gotta you gotta train yourself to do that. There's a discipline yeah. there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. At, at some point, it just comes down to um, we have to we have to say this is a part of what I do, and this is what the Lord has entrusted me to, and I need to talk. I need to talk to the Lord about what I'm yeah. going to talk about this Sunday yeah. before I yeah. talk to the people this Sunday. I, I was always, you know, you're amazed to hear the stories of of like you said, great preachers who were great prayers. Mm-hmm. And you think about people like, uh, like a David Brainerd or, um, you know, uh, those, those different guys that were, they were always praying for things to happen and, mm-hmm. they, and they happened. I was reminded, you know, George W. Truett was the pastor at First Baptist Dallas for nearly 50 years before, before Criswell came. Truett would put his kids to bed mm-hmm. and then he would he would pray until midnight. Yeah. And he was and he was praying about his sermon. Yeah. He he wasn't praying through a a list. Yeah. You know, he wasn't praying about um for his kids, for yeah. his wife, for his children, yeah. for his life. He was he was specifically praying through mm-hmm. the passage and the things that he was going to say. Well, no wonder the man was such a powerful preacher. Yeah. You know, you think about that. And another thing about praying here we're talking about you know, I'm kind of talking about sermon prep but the 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 sermon delivery I think it's I think it's important for a pastor to take time as you just said with Truett on what let's say a, throughout the week but especially a Saturday night Sunday morning mm-hmm. before you preach to just say you know God man put your anointing on me today yeah. fill me with your power give me the words to say get, get just you you be the one doing this through me mm-hmm. um, at some point we 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 might want to talk about this on this podcast but 
Uh, right now, Heath Lambert has a podcast out called What Happened at First Baptist, referring to Jacksonville. Yeah. And he tells the story of that church's rise and decline and restoration. There's some really great leadership things in there. Um, I think our listeners would find that podcast thought-provoking, interesting. Yeah. One of the things he says in one of the episodes there when he talks about the rise of First Baptist Jacksonville, why why was God blessing that church so much? Why was it growing so fast? One of the things that he said in there was every Sunday morning there was a little room off of the worship center there, and Homer Lindsay Jr. Mm-hmm. would go in that room and just ask God to fill him with his power. Yeah, And uh, the point he was making was uh, – it was God, obviously, who was doing all that growth. It was God who was moving. But as pastors, that we have no presumption that uh, this this sermon's going to be good or people are going to respond to this sermon because of any of your abilities. Yeah. But we come and we empty ourselves and say, hey, God, you, you fill me today, and you do this through me today. Well, if you, if you just even think about the life of, of Jesus, Jesus comes out of the temptations in mm-hmm. Luke chapter 4. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and then he came in the power of the Spirit and then begins his proclamation mm-hmm. ministry, yep. right? Yep. That's right. Even Jesus himself had turned to the Father in humility, dependence, uh, he knew that he needed God. And I think that when we pray over our message, over the yeah. sermon, even over the preparation, we're, we are boldly saying to God, I am totally dependent upon you to do this. If yeah. you don't, yeah. nothing good will happen. He, here is a quote from Spurgeon about this very thing we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's typical Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's it's like... People don't people don't talk like this anymore. Um, the just the the eloquent prose of it. But Spurgeon said, uh, "The bell in the steeple may well be hung, fairly fashioned, and of sound metal, but it is dumb." And by that he meant silence. Yeah, yeah. Until the ringer makes it speak, and the preacher has no voice of quickening for the dead in sin or of comfort for living saints unless the divine spirit gives him a gracious pull and begs him to speak with power. Hence the need of prayer for both preacher and hearers. That's right that's on. A, that's a good word. You know, the bell is quiet until yeah. the guy rings the bell. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Spurgeon's ringing the bell right there. Yeah, and the spirit yeah. of God is the one ringing the yes, bell. Yes, right. It's not us. He pulls so, on it. Yeah, tugs it. That's, that's a good, that's yeah, a really good It's quote. really good. Um, one other thing I, I I wanted to just kind of bring up, just to kind of put in in the mind of our our listeners on this is, I, I think when we when we emphasize prayer in sermon prep, first of all, in our own personal spiritual lives, in our sermon prep, and talking about our delivery, there's something about that time of prayer that just kind of quietens you. That that kind of you know there, there, there's a lot of things that can serve as distractions in our own personal lives that just going and spending time with the Lord just gives you the perspective it calms you down it gives you focus that happens in your life that happens in your sermon prep it happens before you know you may you may have ha- really rough 
weekend or something like that, and here you are, you're about to go try to preach, and you really just kind of, I think if we were speaking in a secular sense, someone would say, hey, just go sit over there and calm down, clear your mind, whatever. Um, But in a spiritual sense where we just spend time with the Lord, that kind of gets a lot of those distractions quietened down, which really distract our own spiritual life, distract our preparation of a sermon, and Mm -hmm. and distract the delivery of a sermon. One time I read this article. Um, I, it was a it was some Ivy League school. I don't know if it was Harvard, Yale, something like that. And it was a, a like a sociology class, and they did this experiment. So they they get one of the they get one of the members of their group to they set all this up. They get a member of the group to walk out of the library with a big stack of books in their arms, mm-hmm. and they kind of pretend to trip and fall <laughs> and throw the books everywhere. Okay, now the rest of the group is like across the street, you know, kind of incognito, observing all of this. So they do this little experiment several times in the day, and they record the percentage of people that walk by that person that actually help them pick up the books. And it's a very high number. It was like 70-something percent. Okay, so then they wait a month or two. They do the same thing. But this time, they have like they they they've rigged a lawnmower to be incredibly loud. So whatever you know, they they've just got a lawnmower, and the person walks out of the library, trips again, spills the books, but they've got one of their teammates, one of their group members, dressed up like in the maintenance uniform of the school with the super loud lawnmower, just kind of standing right there, kind of walking up and down. And the number of people that help the person with the books drops to like thirty percent. Yeah, and it was interesting. They they were you know the effect of noise on how we do and how we are. It seems to have you know a pretty big impact. That's why I think Jesus goes off yeah. somewhere by himself alone, quiet, it's dark, there's no distraction, there is something good for you spiritually about putting yourself in that position where you can just talk to God, listen as the Spirit speaks to you, meditate on His Word. Um, I, I just think there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot of distractions, there's a lot of junk that pastors have to deal with that's floating around out there. And when we're talking about your own personal life, but you're preaching as well, it's good to just get clear of that stuff and get it out of your head and your heart. And I think that helps us be better preachers. Absolutely. Yeah. And with Jesus, what you know, I think too, we have to to recognize that the God Man in his in his prayer, his times of prayer was was still showing his utter dependence upon God. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we have to recognize that uh, the task that we have of preaching is monumental. Mm -hmm. It is a Mm God-sized task. It is not a man-sized task. And for us not to pray, uh, particularly over our 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 messages is um, is only to our detriment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. Let's close this with just a couple of, of practical things. Uh, and I'm going to throw out one first of all. Um, I, I started, I don't remember when I started doing this, but um, as I would open the text, and I generally, this is the way I am, I'm a week-by-week week guy. I can't prepare before. Mm-hmm. I've got to deliver a baby before I can get going again, <laughs> right? Um, so generally, I would open up a text on Monday morning. I already knew what the text would be, but I would open up that text before I started reading about it, before I started mm-hmm. writing about it. I would literally try to pray through that text. Mm-hmm. How does that text affect me? Mm-hmm. What is God saying to me and what would I want to say back to God about that text? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's one way just of thinking of it that way. Before I ever start reading, before I ever start writing, before I ever start studying, let me pray mm-hmm. the text at the beginning of the week and begin it like that. Um, what else – can you think of would be another practical aspect that would help us to be better prayers of the text or, yeah. or you know, praying preachers? And what I would – I, I want to add to what you just said there. Um, <laughs> I'm a pastor. You're a pastor. We know pastors. Our default with a biblical text is to come at it, read it, look at it, and our first thought is how can I preach yep. that text? I see what I can say. But what you've just said – and this is where the prayer thing comes, such an important thing. Before a preacher ever looks at a text and says, how can I preach that text? He needs to ask, how can I live that text? Mm-hmm. How can I obey this text? Yeah. What is this text doing on me? And you're only going to be able to do that through, through prayer, is talking to God about this text. Mm-hmm. And you need to talk to God about a text, about how that text impacts you before you ever look at that text on, okay, how am I going to preach this text? How am I yeah. going to break it down? What's the CIT? All yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's a great first step. And I think, I think pastors, practically speaking, it needs to be the first thing you do. Uh, don't do all the sermon prep, then pray at the end. I think yeah. you need to pray on the front end yeah. of it. And I think we've got to make, as we've already said, you've got to make the discipline of it. Just build it in. If you, you, most pastors have a rhythm of sermon prep. You know, they kind of have a, they have a little routine. Build that into your routine mm-hmm. and, and just, and don't get away from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you sit down to prepare a sermon one week and you realize 20 minutes in that you, you went right to the books without praying, Stop, Stop reading, yeah. You know, and and you know, and get get praying on this thing. So I think those are just some some practical things. And the other thing that that I would just throw out too, Andy, is a little bit of what what Spurgeon said at the end of that quote. When praying in relation to preaching, don't forget to pray for your hearers. Yeah. Don't yeah. just pray for you, yeah. but pray for God to work in the hearts of those people. And here's a thing. This is one of the joys and one of the neat things of pastoring is I know my people. I know what my I know what my people are going through. I know what my people are facing. Yeah. And I know this text right here, boy, this text right here is really going to comfort this person or it's going to hit this person between the eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's good for us as pastors to pray specifically for our people and say, you know, Lord, uh, old brother Bob over here, 
he really he really needs to hear this, not like some condemnatory yeah. whatever. Right. But I hope you'll really lay this passage passage of scripture on his heart, and you'll use it to work in his life. And uh, I just don't yes. think we can go wrong with doing any of that right there. Uh, it's amazing how when you begin to pray specifically for people like that, how okay, see me doing air quotes here, everybody. Hmm. How suddenly, magically, your your preaching is more powerful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to – there's yeah. a lot more to be said about this. Uh, we're we're going to have to shut it down about this. I, I will tell you that there's one last quote by Spurgeon that was so convicting to me. Um, he, he's talking about praying over your people and, and, and your preaching. He says this. He says, the minister does not earnestly pray over his work must be vain and conceited. Mm. Thinks of, of mm-hmm. it, thinks it's only of himself. Mm. He says he limps in his life like a lame man in Proverbs, whose legs are not equal. And here it is: for his praying is shorter mm. than his preaching. <laughs> that's a good quote. Oh my! Let's uh, yeah, that's good. Let's be people who who uh, who pray, yeah. who seek God, and talk to God even far more than we do as we talk to the people. It's good. Amen. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Feeding and Leading podcast. Do want to let you uh, know that we have an email address, podcasts at oklahomabaptist.org. If you have questions or suggestions, we'd love to entertain those. And we hope that you'll join us next time for Feeding and Leading. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptist, advancing the gospel together.